Welcome, welcome. I'm doing it, okay? Joining the bandwagon. We're all, we're all doing it today. We're joining the bandwagon. I know some of you Cub fans are like, the bandwagon's full. I'm just being a good pastor, okay? Uh, a matter of fact, this is how much of a good pastor I'm going to be. Roll it. Ready? Because I don't know this song, so these couple fans better sing. Underway. That was smooth. Well, you better, better get, get ready for, for a brand day. new day. Come on, sing it, Cup fans. Hey, hey Chicago, what do you say? Let's pray. Just kidding. Um, we, we are uh, we're excited, man. Really, really cool. What a night last night. Unbelievable. Uh, and by the way, I'm wearing the Zobras because uh, uh, he got things started last night. And I'm trying to get him to come and do an interview. He's a great Christian guy. I'm trying to get him to come and do an interview here. So anybody knows Ben, give him a hard time. Welcome. Uh, God never said that. We're doing this series. Got it from Craig Groeschel at Life Church down in Oklahoma. Great, great idea. Let's talk about the things that people think that God said, but he really didn't, okay? Week one was God just wants you to be happy, and God never said that. He, he's your father. He loves you. He wants you to, to be happy, but that's not his primary concern. He wants to take care of you. Week two, doesn't matter what you believe. Todd did a great job talking about the fact that, yeah, it does. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You got you to deal with that. Today we're going to talk about it doesn't matter what you do, all right? A lot of people think it doesn't really matter what you do, you know? I mean, don't judge me. We get the tolerance thing going. Here's what I want to do. Uh, both, uh, both campuses, if you're watching me online, you can try to do this if there's another person in your house, okay? Uh, on the count of three, I'm, I'm going to have you point at the biggest sinner that you see, okay? <laughs> so just go ahead and look around a little bit. If you're by yourself, you, you got much, not much choice on there online. In your underwear, okay? Uh, here, here's the deal. Um, just look around. What do you think? And I'm going to count to three. Ready? One, two, three. Yeah, yeah, I know. Nobody, not, like, nobody's going to do it, right? Everybody's like, uh, I, I'm not going to. And I don't know if you know that's probably the truth, that you are the biggest sinner in the room, or you just know it's so politically incorrect to point at anybody else or to tell anybody else that you're just going to let it go. And I saw you point at your cat online, sir. I did. I can see you, okay? I just want you to know that. The truth of the matter is, I mean, it's not okay to tell people that their business is any different than my business, and that's not really what I'm trying to do today, but the fact is, it does matter what you do. And what one person does is different than what somebody else does. And there are levels of sin and there are levels of consequences to sin. And we're going to talk about that today. We've tried to dumb down sin by giving it different names. You know, we don't call it pornography. We call it adult entertainment. It's not adultery. You know, that's too harsh. We'll just, they're, having, they're having an affair. It's not sex outside of God's plan of marriage. It's hooking up. You know, we just give it a new name, right? Right? 
But, but, but Jesus taught us to pray our Father in heaven, right? That's what we keep coming back to. So please, before I ever get into this, let's understand the fundamental idea of God as our Father and what that has to do with, with the things that he tells us in his word. There are no arbitrary things that God says. There's nothing in here that he says, right, you know what, don't do this or do this just because I feel like it. Back in the heyday of, uh, of Van Halen, they would travel around, you know, the world, and they had this contract writer that was like a book. I mean, literally like a book of all the things, if you were going to have Van Halen for a concert, all the things that you had to do. And, and part of it was because they had this gigantic stage show, and they had all these, you know, these big lights and all these different things. But one of the things that that used to make them people think that they were just rock stars was that the, in the writer there was a, a, a provision for M&Ms. They wanted a bowl of M&Ms in the green room behind backstage, and there were to be no brown M&Ms. And everybody's just like, "Oh my gosh, this is you know rock stars, whatever you know. Oh, no brown M&Ms, right?" David Lee Roth, after they got off tour, David Lee Roth commented about it. He said, yeah, I know. I know what people say, and I don't care what people were saying. He said, the truth of the matter is, here's what I would do. I would walk into, as soon as I would get somewhere, I would walk into the green room, and I would look at the bowl of M&Ms, and I would see if there were brown M&Ms in there. And he said, if I, if I saw brown M&Ms in the bowl, I knew they hadn't read the contract very closely. And that meant I needed to go send my team out. I needed to send everybody out and very closely check everything that was going on out on the stage set. Because I didn't want one of those 500-pound lights falling on my head in the, you know, in the middle of jump. I didn't, I didn't want that to happen. So I knew if they hadn't read the brown M&Ms, if they hadn't done the brown M&Ms, they probably hadn't paid attention to anything else. I want you to understand that there may be some things in the Bible that maybe you don't understand, maybe you don't get them along the way, but God gave everything to us for a reason. There's no arbitrary rules. Solomon said, my child, do not forget my teaching and keep my commands in your heart. Okay, we'll obey God. Why should we obey God? For they will prolong your life for many years and they will bring you prosperity. In other words, I made you, I know how things work the best. Trust me on this one, don't play in the street. Stephen Covey, famous story out of Seven Habits, talked about a battleship being on maneuvers late one night. Back, you know, back in the day before the good communication, you know, they were still beeping each other's signals back and forth. And there was a battleship, and the lookout saw a light off in the distance. And he realized that, that their ship was on a collision course with that ship. So he went and told the captain, and the captain said, okay, send this signal. We are on a collision course. Advise you to change course 20 degrees. And the return reply came, advisable for you to change course 20 degrees. And the captain said, send, I'm a captain. Change your course 20 degrees. The reply came back, I'm a seaman second class. You better change your course 20 degrees. By this time, the captain was furious. He said, send this, I'm a battleship. Change your course 20 degrees. The reply came back, I'm a lighthouse. <laughs> you figure it out. What I'm saying is, you know, sometimes, sometimes I'm like that. I'm, I'm like, you know what, God can't tell me what to do. Nobody else should tell me what to do. But every once in a while, that's a lighthouse. That means there's rocks there, okay? That, that means that your, your, your life is going to crash if you don't listen to the person who knows what's going on. God is my dad. He loves me. He tells me the things that are bad for me. Those are sins. He tells me the things I ought to do. And, and when I follow them, my life is going to be better. 
So today I want to talk about three cultural misbeliefs about sin and what God really did say. Number one, here's what I hear a lot. Well, I'm not really a bad person. Not really a bad person. I may make some mistakes, but I'm not really a bad person. Here's what the Bible says. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. That's, that's what God really says. I'm here to tell you that you are born, we are all born with human desires that sometimes overshadow the spiritual desires that, that we want to have happen. Isn't that true? And it starts at a very early age. Last weekend, I was babysitting my uh, almost two-year-old grandson, and he's learning, kind of learning how to pray at mealtime. And uh, we found out, and you'll see in this video, we found out that he has about a 15-second window you know, where he can pray. And unfortunately, Nana went about 20. Here you go. That's what I'm talking about. I really want to pray, but there's macaroni and cheese. I'm going for it. I'm going for it. My parents don't let me eat macaroni and cheese. I'm going to do this, right? How can we claim to be without sin? I guess that's the question. Why, why, why would the Bible say if we claim to be without sin, we're deceiving ourselves? How can I even do that? Well, it depends on who you compare yourself to. Very simply. If we compare ourselves to other people, we, we may be tempted to say, oh, yeah, I'm not a bad person. Chances are you're sitting right now by one of those people. You wanted to point your finger at them, you know, because you know they're not, they're, they're not as good as you, but you didn't, you, it wasn't politically correct. Chances are that's true. Chances are, you guys, unless God intervenes and a fraction of what we're hearing is true, Somebody who's worse than us may be the president of the United States very soon. I mean, seriously, if a fraction of the allegations against either one of the candidates are true, many of us are better people than they are. And we're going to have to decide how to vote when it comes time to vote. And it's going to be one of three things. I believe you're going to have to decide what to do. The person that you think is better qualified to lead the country, the person who will make the best decisions for the country in the long term, or the lesser of two evils. I mean, honestly, I think that's where we're at. It depends on your perspective. You're going to have to decide, if you didn't see this part of the debate, just one more thing for fun. The problem with comparing is that we do it with the wrong comparison, okay? Transition that to, I'm going to compare myself against a perfect God. And that makes me a bad person. Isaiah said, my righteous acts, he was a prophet in the Old Testament, my righteous acts are like filthy rags. And I'm not going to give you the literal translation for filthy rags, but if I did, you wouldn't eat for the rest of the day. That's what he says, my, my goodness, the best that I have inside of me is like a filthy rag compared to God. I'll give you a test. How many of you have ever, ever told a lie? Raise your hand. Go ahead, raise your hand. Okay. Now, turn to somebody with their hand up and say, liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> you sit on a throne of lies. How, how many of you have ever stolen anything? I mean, I have. I've got my, I've got my, you know, I've got my hand up, right? This will get a little trickier. How many of you have ever looked lustfully at another person? Okay. I know some of you couples are like, well, it was a long time ago, a long time ago, okay? You're a little slower on that one. So what does that make you? A, a lying thief and adulterer, right? I mean... I mean, Jesus said, if you look at a person lustfully, it's the same as committing adultery in your heart. So you, you just said that. Matter of fact, let me just do my Ten Commandment test. Every once in a while, I think it's good to do this. Ten Commandments, so you, you got to figure, you know, an A would be 90%, B is 80%, you know, passing is 60%. Let's just go through the list real quick and see how many of the Ten Commandments that you've always kept, 
All right? Let's just check this out. Ten of them. Number one, no other gods before me. If you've never ever put anything in front of God, you can just interpret that however you want to, but that's, that's one. Okay, don't raise your hand because it's going to get embarrassing. Um, number two, no, other, no idols. Number two is no idols, okay? And we make idols out of a lot of things. Some of you make making idols out of this right now. So, you know, we do different things. But let's just give you that one because unless you have a golden calf in your house, I'm going to give you number two. Everybody's got at least one so far. You good? All right. Number three, do not take the Lord's name in vain. Don't, don't, don't groan out loud. Just, just listen. Okay. No, number four, keep the Sabbath day. Okay. There's a, the, the, the priority of worship has always been there for you. Number five, honor your father and mother. Number six, murder. You're all like, oh, I got one. (laughs) Except that Jesus said, if you hate your brother, it's the same as committing murder because you've hated it. You've killed him in your heart. You do whatever you want. I don't care. Okay. Number seven, adultery. We already talked about that. Jesus said lust is the same, but, you know, whatever. Number eight, stealing. We already admitted that. Number nine, lying. We already admitted that. Number 10, coveting. You have to admit that. All right, so so how'd you do? Anybody get an A? Yeah, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not going to go beyond that because I'll just be honest with you. I've been a Christian all of my life. I've been in ministry for 33 years. I'm solid on three and maybe four. And, you know, they're none of your business. But, <laughs> but that's the truth, okay? I have the same issue as you. The Apostle Paul called himself the, the chief of sinners, and I don't think that's true. I think I'm the chief of sinners. I want you to understand that. When I tell you donuts are bad for you, you know that, right? And I'm not saying that I don't like donuts. I, I love donuts. I'm dreaming of an apple fritter right now. And, and apples are not a super fruit, but they're fruit, so we could justify it. I could help you with this. I could spin it. But the bottom line is we're not good people. None of us. We're sinful at our core. As a matter of fact, the scripture teaches us that there is no one righteous, not even one. None of us, all right? Cultural belief number one is, man, I'm not a bad person. Cultural belief number two is, well, all sin is the same. doesn't really matter. Who are you to judge me? Who are you to tell me that one sin is different? And listen, God never said that, okay? Understand, all unforgiven sin does lead to eternal death. It doesn't matter whether that is murder or lying. We, we know this. The wages of sin is death. So in that regard, all sin is the same, I guess. And that's why the next part of this verse is so important to us. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. doesn't matter whether you've committed murder or lying. All unforgiven sin is punishable by death, but Jesus' death on the cross paid the price for that. That's the good news. That's why we do what we do, okay? That's really important. But not all sin is the same. For example, Craig Groeschel, Life Church is the name of his church. For example, I was driving to work one morning. I had to turn onto a four-lane highway, and I, I turned onto this four-lane highway, and I misjudged the speed of the approaching car, so I turned into this guy's lane when I should have let him go by. And he had to actually go in the other lane around me. And so being the man of God I am, I gave him the universal sign for my bad. You know what that is. It's like head down, hand up, my bad. Shouldn't have done that, my bad. Unfortunately, he gave me the universal sign for your bad. <laughs> Peel the banana. Yes, yes, that's, that was it. That was it. And, um, you know, my foot just naturally hit the accelerator when he did that. What made it worse was that in the left-hand corner of the back of his car was a Life Church bumper sticker. So I just got flipped off by one of my parishioners. 
Being the loving pastor that I am, I could not let this person live in sin, so I pursued them at rather aggressive speeds until we came up to a stoplight, and I pulled up right by this guy and rolled down my window, and he rolled down his window, and he looked at me and turned white as a ghost. <laughs> now he said, listen, all sin is not the same, okay? He shot me the finger, that's a sin, but if he shot me with a gun, that's a different type of sin. Both of them will keep you out of heaven if they're not forgiven. Both are, equal in, but both are not equal in terms of consequences. All sin is not the same. There are different consequences for the things that we do on this earth. There are different influences that, that happen to the things that are on our earth. Number one is the consequences on earth, okay? Jesus said looking at a woman lustfully was the same as committing adultery in, in your heart, but you can't get an STD from looking, okay? We understand this. There's another side that's just too deep to get too far into about punishment. There are evidently levels of punishment in hell, okay? The Pharisees, Jesus said, who rip off the widows will be punished most severely. And we're talking about hell here. If you have Jesus, you don't have to worry about this. I don't understand it all. I do love the, 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 the far side cartoon. There are levels in hell, homicidal maniacs, terrorists, people who drive too slow in the fast lane. Can I get an amen? All right. Different levels, different levels, okay? Jesus said to Pontius Pilate, he said, therefore the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. So somehow along the way, there's a lot of stuff in the Bible about different levels of sin and how they get dealt with. But that also means there are levels of blessing. When we get to heaven someday, there, we will be rewarded. Jesus said, rejoice and be glad for great is your reward in heaven. So, so are, are you telling me there are different levels of sin? Listen, listen. Here's what Paul says. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. And don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. Run away, because this one impacts you, Paul said, in a very, very deep and personal and significant way. So evidently there are. Misperception number one, I'm not a bad person. I, I, I don't think that's true. We all are filthy rags in front of God. And misperception number two, all sin is the same. I don't think that that's true. Misperception number three, since I've already done it, I might as well keep on doing it. Uh, since I've already done it, I might as well keep going, Right? Paul says, again, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? No, by no means. We are the ones who have died to sin, so how can we live in it any longer? How can we do that? In other words, people will say, people will say well, hey, if God's going to forgive my sin anyway, what difference does it make? And I've already been doing it, so what difference does it make if I keep doing it? And Paul says, no. The, the Bible says, No. Of course not. You've died to sin. How can you live in it any longer? Of course not. You're on the rocks. Your life is going to be destroyed by the things that you're doing. That's why the lighthouse was there in the first place. Of course not. You have the power of Christ living inside of you. You don't have to do that anymore. Why do we continue to go back to that which hurts the heart of God and has the potential to hurt us and everyone around us when God has something so much better for me? Groeschel, again, here's what's interesting to me. I hear sometimes at our church, and I do too, just, I just want to go deeper. I just want to go deeper. Let's go into some deeper stuff. Can we just go a little bit deeper? 
you know? And I'm all for deeper, he said. But listen, spiritual maturity isn't about having more knowledge. Hear that. Spiritual maturity is not about having more knowledge. It's about having more fruit. Spiritual maturity isn't about learning more about the original language or studying a deeper theologian. Spiritual maturity is letting the Holy Spirit take over and live through you. Because if you love Jesus, you will obey him. I said it this way. Spiritual maturity is not about how much we know. It's about how much we obey. Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? One author wrote about this way. He said, let's just imagine that you're a homeless person and, and you're a dumpster diver and you, you hang out behind this guy's restaurant every day to eat the food that they throw in the garbage, which, you know, a lot of times happens, okay? Let's just imagine that that's who you are in your life. You have no other means to support yourself and you are a guy who's eating out of the trash and you start to get to know the restaurant owner. He's a nice guy and he comes out and he starts to become your friend and he starts to actually bring you the leftover food and not throw it in the dumpster and he starts to take care of you and then one day he comes out and he says you know what you seem like a good guy I'm getting older I don't have any family this is uh, this restaurant and I don't have anybody to give this restaurant to I don't have anybody to share my life with I'm gonna adopt you as my son I'm gonna I'm gonna I mean this is how unbelievable the gospel is I mean it sounds like a far-fetched story but it's exactly what happened to you and me when Jesus died on the cross and God adopted me as his kid the guy comes out and he says I want to adopt you you can now come in and eat in my restaurant anytime I'm gonna give this whole restaurant to you it's all available to you then he said what would it be like if the owner came out the next day and found you back in the dumpster looking for food why would we do that? The most miserable people in the world are Christians who know the freedom of Christ that is available to live for them and don't live in it. And I know that because I'm one of them on a regular basis. I don't have it figured out. The more light I see, the more darkness I see. That's the way it goes. I'm always at a stage of confessing sin. Not because I need to do it because I want to make sure that God loves me or that God has forgiven me. I do it because I, I, I love him. And I don't want to do the things that are displeasing to him or my wife or my kids or you or anybody else. And I know that he is the lighthouse. I know that God's grace is more powerful. I know that I have his spirit living inside of me. What, what did Paul say? Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. How can you go back to living in the dumpster anymore? So when you treat sin as no big deal, it makes it easier for sin to drag you down. James said, what happens is after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. That's what happens. Sin is progressive. It just keeps going downhill, downhill, downhill. When you see yourself as a sinner, then you can stop the slide. When you see yourself as being a person whose righteousness is filthy rags before God, then you can stop the slide. Then you can appreciate this Scripture that we talk about a lot around here because a lot of churches are set up to be churches that are for the healthy, just like in Jesus' day. You know, if you got your act together, you can come to our church, and that's not us. We're a hospital. We call ourselves Parkview Hospital all the time. It's part of the reason we have the name that we have. We're a hospital for sick people. I love that. That's who we are. That's who we want to attract. We want you to come in because you're not perfect and you don't have your life together and we don't either. But sick people shouldn't stay sick. 
What kind of hospital would that be? Scripture tells us that God is faithful. And he will not let us be tempted beyond what we can bear. When you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can endure it. I want you to understand this. It doesn't matter what sin you feel trapped in. God has given you a way out. It's never going to happen until you admit that it's there and you confess it to God and you move on. Jesus is the way. Stop eating out of the dumpster. Stop rationalizing this behavior and saying, well, it doesn't really matter. All sin is the same. I'm not really a bad person. It doesn't really matter what I do. Since I've been doing it already, I might as well keep going. Stop. Stop doing that. The reality is that this sin is costing us. This sin is dragging us into the rocks. Here's the verse we we did earlier. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now, here's the rest of the verse. This is so important. But if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and he is just and he will forgive us our sin. I'm not telling you you're ever going to get to the point where you don't have to do this. I'm telling you, you're never going to get to do this if you don't admit that it's real. He is faithful. He is just. He will forgive us our sins. And this is not just one of those deals where we keep going back and, okay, forgive me. I did it again. Okay, forgive me. I did it again. He will purify us from all unrighteousness. He will. He's given you a way out. Well, so what do I do? PT, should I go see a priest? Yeah, you should. I know most of you grew up in that system. You should go see a priest, but you should go straight to the top. You should go to the high priest, to Jesus. In your heart, you should go to him and say, Jesus, either I've never followed you before, and I want to make a decision to be your disciple. I'm going to follow you. I accept your gift of forgiveness. I need your help. Or maybe as a believer, it's here I am again today, Lord. I'm a sinner. I'm a filthy rag before you. I confess. I need you to forgive me. And I want you to purify me from my unrighteousness. I want you to help me to live in the grace, in the power, inside the restaurant where I'm supposed to be. Then what? Well, for some of you, what you do does matter in a positive way. We're going to do baptisms today. Already done uh, 32 baptisms and um, one of the most unbelievable baptisms I've ever been a part of. And I've done like 7,000 baptisms since I've been the pastor of this church. Can I show you this picture, this one from yesterday? This woman had, uh, has stomachs, stomach cancer, so she has a port inside her stomach so she couldn't get wet. She wanted to be baptized, <laughs> so she just came over and knelt down, and we baptized her just like that. What you do does matter. Why would she do that? Why would that be so important to her? 
Or is she saved by that? No, of course not. But there were things the Bible gave us to do in the, in, in the, to be healed. We anointed with, we anoint with oil sometimes. Uh, when we have an, an impression in our life, it needs to lead to expression. William James said this, an impression without an expression leads to depression. You know this. If you're trying to, if you're trying to suppress laughter in a quiet moment, it's very difficult, right? I, I mean, if, you, if you're watching you know, the Cub game late at night, and your baby's asleep nearby, you know, and Zobrist hits a yeah, double, you know, to lead off the inning, you know, and Chapman struck somebody out. You're like, ah, you know what I'm saying? You, you, you can't yell out. That's what I'm talking about. I'm a, guy, I'm a guy with three daughters and a wife. I watched every chick flick that ever came out. Okay, you know what it's like to try to be a guy and suppress tears, you know, at Sleepless in Seattle. Do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, if there's an impression, it needs to lead to expression. And so that's why God gave us the gift of baptism. He told people, Jesus told people sometimes, you know, go wash in the pool of Siloam. They didn't need to go wash to get healed. Jesus healed them, but he told them to go do it. Go show yourself to the priest, he told the lepers, and they were healed. Man with a withered hand, he said, stretch out your hand. There, there, was a, there was an impression that needed to lead to expression, and it was for their benefit, not for his. He was doing it. So what should you do when you're impressed with your need for Jesus Christ, when you understand that he is the Son of God who died on the cross for your sins, that your righteousness is like a filthy rag, that he is the one who, is the, is the one who has made the way for you to live forever in perfect peace when we leave this life and has made the Holy Spirit available to help you live the life you want to live here on earth? What, what do you do? Well, in Acts, it went even farther than that. I mean, the second chapter of Acts, Peter is preaching to the people who literally killed Jesus. A month before, they literally were going, crucify him, crucify him, and now they're there, and Peter says, hey, you guys, Jesus of Nazareth, man of God, approved by God, who did signs and wonders and miracles among you, and what did you do? You crucified him. You killed the Son of God, but I'm telling you that he's alive today. He's sitting at the right hand of the throne of heaven. The Bible says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? You see that? See how important that is? What shall we do? Because we want to have an expression of, of what's going on inside of us. It does matter what you do. And Peter said, well, here's the do. Repent, turn from your sin, and be baptized Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The power to, 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 to reign over sin is going to be inside of you, forgiveness for sins, forgiveness for sins, and purify you from all unrighteousness. There was a do in the middle of there, and it's, it's, not, a, it's not a work. Please don't understand that. It's, it's not a work at all. Baptism was a way for us to express what's going on in our heart. The cleansing that we need from sin. We know when we're dirty, we need to be cleansed. James talked about being polluted by the world, getting rid of the moral filth that's inside of us. King David, when he realized he was guilty of murder and adultery, said, wash me and I will be whiter than snow. That's the symbolism that we understand. And that's the symbolism of baptism. Peter said it this way, this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why we do water baptism here, okay? 
That's why, unless you've got a stomach port for getting chemotherapy, we want you to go into the water, get lowered down into the water, and raised back up again. It is the symbol of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if you have never done that, today ought to be your day. Just come and do it. Wash your sins away. You don't need to do it if you've done it before. One of my daughters wanted to do it twice because she felt like that was a good thing. You could do that if you want. It doesn't matter. The rest of us who've done it, we're going to watch. We're going to rejoice with you. And this is not a do thing that you do so that God will forgive you. The book of Ephesians is clear. It is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It is not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, okay, absolutely, positively. And just because you get baptized doesn't make you saved, right? That's not what this is all about. It's a symbol of what's going on on the inside. It's about our heart. Now, usually when we have mass baptism weekends, people will start, you know, throwing excuses at me. Like, I I couldn't do it today, you know. I didn't plan on it. You know, there's only one person in the Bible who planned on that. I mean, everybody that got saved in the Bible immediately went and got out and got out and got dunked. The only person, I was just processing this yesterday, the only person who planned it was Jesus because he had to walk out to the desert to be with John the Baptist. So he, he knew what he was doing. He walked out. Everybody else, it was like spontaneous. And hey, by the way, Jesus got baptized. Should be enough for you. Jesus told us to get baptized. He told me to tell you to get baptized. I don't care whether you planned it or not, do it. Well, they don't have a towel. Well, we do. We have like 150 towels back there. We're all, we're all ready for you. Well, they don't have a change of clothes. Your clothes are going to dry. I don't know if you know this or not, but they will. <laughs> do you realize how warm it is this weekend in October? Because it's baptism weekend. Turn on the air conditioning. Thank you, God. <laughs> like, well, I'm wearing light-colored clothing. I know. I don't want to see that either. We've got shirts for you. Oh, but PT, I got this new car with leather seats. Oh, I don't want to get the seats all wet. Watch this. Open up this plastic bag we give you. Set it, your wet bottom down on it, and everything will be fine. See, I've thought of everything. I got it all done. What about my stuff? Oh, what about my stuff? I don't have my fun bag. We got fun bags to give you for your stuff, okay? Bring me a bag. I want a bag, doggone it. I want to see a bag. Give me a bag. You got to see these. These are really cool. Anybody got a bag? Thank you, Pastor Chaz. Look at these cool bags, man. I got dunked at Parkview, okay? I, I, I want to get baptized all over again so I can get one of these bags, don't you? You put your stuff in there, it's all secured. You see how cool that is? That's going to be awesome. Everything's going to be fine. Here's what I hear a lot of times. Well, my family's not here. Listen, it's not about you and your family. It's about you and God. You have one Father in heaven. Period. If this is your day, don't make an excuse. What I want you to do is, is just, we're, we're going to stand up during this really cool song. A gal from Lady Antebellum recorded this song about baptism. And, uh, and, and you're going to go back to the back. Uh, if you want to get baptized, go back to the back. There's little lamps back there. You just go back and talk to those people, get your stuff all ready to go, and, and, and we'll, be, we'll, we'll do it. We'll do it right now. We'll do as many as we can, Okay. So here's what I'm going to do first. Let me lead you in the good confession. This is what Peter said to Jesus when Jesus said, who do people say that I am and who do you say that I am? And Peter said this. I want you to repeat this with me. 
And if you're a believer, never, and you've done baptism, whatever, this is a great reaffirmation. This is like, this is like a moment for you to go to a wedding, you know, and, and just watch the couple and hold your wife's hand and, and your husband's hand and, and just say, hey, I still do, okay? This is, this is it for you. Um, for the rest of you, maybe this is your day to get baptized. This is, this is about coming to God saying, I, I know I don't deserve this. I want to be your follower. Repeat this. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and he is my Lord and Savior. When the Apostle Paul was not the Apostle Paul yet and he came to Christ, his mentor said, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, wash your sins away, calling on his name. Let's pray. Lord, if there are people, and I know there are in this room, who are feeling a little bit beat up today, um, help them to know that I feel the same way. And there's no one righteous, not even one. So in that regard, we are all in the same boat. Um, Not such a bad person compared to other people, but compared to you, I'm a sinner. And I realize today that your word and the things that you tell us are not arbitrary rules. Even if we don't understand all of them, they were there for us to help us to understand how to live. It's that important. How to live in the restaurant, how, how to live in the joyous life that you've given us. So Lord, help us to understand that. And if there are people here who have never accepted that, who have never followed you, let them right now in their hearts, turn to you and say, Jesus, I accept the gift of forgiveness and I'm asking you to purify me from all unrighteousness. I am confessing the fact that I'm a sinner. I'm confessing my sins to you. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Lord, for those who you're touching their heart right now about baptism, help them. Help them to know how important a, a, a thing this is as they do something, as they do something for you. Not so that you'll be happy with them. It's not a salvation issue that they have to do it to be saved. That all happens in our heart. We know this. But this is something for us. And it's that important. It's that important that you did it. So be with us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.